0: Him, And that is just heartbreaking. Um, so I just wanted to, yeah, share a few stories. Um, we're we're going to go into some tools tonight. The tools are Three Circles, which is a gospel sharing tool, and another one called Discovery Bible Group, or DBG. It's how to read the Bible with nonbelievers. And before we get into that, I wanted to share just a few stories about, um, yeah, how you know, with these tools, not that the tools are everything, but just how, okay, God has, you know, through other people allowed me to have these tools in my tool belt and just to kind of show you to have a shelf for how these tools might play out in real life. And so um, if you want to put on the first slide, this is Juhei. She's precious. Um, I met her through, I signed up for this Friends of Internationals thing. I'm not a student, so I can't do the International Buddy Program, but we, I got connected through, my buddy was friends with Juhei, And so we we're eating lunch for the first time at uh, Savant Thai Kitchen. And um, just hearing about her life and learning, you know, her struggles, she was new, uh, at that time she was new to Auburn, had been there a few months, but just honestly shared in that first meeting that she was really depressed and lonely and didn't have any friends and didn't really like Auburn and um. yeah she was not in a great place um, and so she shared and I got to share with her like man my first year in Auburn was really hard too I felt really lonely a lot of times but you know how I like was able to get through that is Jesus was my friend like when I felt like I didn't have a lot of friends Jesus was the one friend that I could turn to and I'm so thankful for that year now because he proved himself to be sufficient and to be faithful and deepened my friendship with him and you know she'd listen and ended up sharing three circles with her at lunch on a napkin um and she was like okay that's cool and so i just would invite her to community stuff like hey come have dinner let's get bubble tea let's go on a walk and you know continuing getting to know her and as i'm introducing her to my christian friends they're sharing how jesus has changed their lives too so she's getting it from all these angles and invited her to read the word and do a discovery Bible group. And so we started reading and started in Genesis and just slowly worked our way through some of the major stories. But you know, each time I could just see like maybe one or two light bulbs come on, you know, okay, like she's getting this aspect. But honestly, language was pretty hard. Like we had a, yeah, it was just hard to understand each other sometimes. Um, But I introduced her to a Korean believing friend. And so they got to go after it in Korean, and um, yeah, she really enjoyed connecting with her, but over, yeah, over the course of months of her being in community, uh, going to church, things like that, reading the Bible, sharing the gospel, probably shared it five different times over the course of like seven months, but um, we're sitting in Coffee Cat, this was last February, and I just was like, how's it going, you know, asking about life, and um, she just shared, you uh, like, you know, that she was doing pretty well. And, and I could just tell, you know, like, she had been, I could see in her face a shift, like, over some, several months. And um, she basically shared, like, we were talking, and I, it sounded like she was a believer. And so I was like, hold on, Juhay, like, let's open up. We read Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, a gospel passage, and Romans 10, 9 and 10, and we're talking about it. And she was like, yeah, like, I mean, I believe this. And so I'm like, hold on, okay, wait. And I get out another piece of paper and draw the the bridge diagram, another gospel tool. And she's like, "Yes, like I'm over here, like I believe." And she pulls out her this is uh, three circles. You can't really see it super well, but she pulls that out. um, Like I had given it to her a while back, and it was in her Bible. And we were talking through it, and she was like, "Yes, like God has has transferred me like into His perfect design." And she was like, "Chandler, don't you remember when you first met me?" Like. I was anxious and depressed and would turn to alcohol and all of these things and didn't have friends, but now, like, I'm content, I'm satisfied. God has given me peace. I don't have depression and anxiety anymore. Like, he's changed me and I know that Jesus is my friend and I also have other friends, you know? And I'm like, Juhei, you're right. Like, you are different. Um, And so, yeah, like, we just kind of realized through that that she was a believer um, and even wrote out, like, at the bottom, you can kind of see uh, she was just sharing, like, this was me before Christ and then how she met Christ and then after Christ. And she literally got to learn how to share her testimony at Coffee Cat. And I go over to her house a few days later. Um... And I walk in and she has this tapestry. The one who was lost has been found. This is on her, uh, in her room, like right when you walk in her apartment. And I was like, Juhei, when did you get this tapestry? She's like, when I first moved here, you know, a long time ago. And I was like, "Um, do you like know what that means? And she's like, I mean, not really, I thought it was cute. And so we pull out the Bible and read the prodigal son story, and she looks up with tears in her eyes and is like, this is my story. I was lost, but now I'm found. So, yeah, it's just like, okay, that was clearly providential that she got this, or prophetic. But, um, yeah, that's just one story, and I'll just share one more quick story, but... um, Another friend, so there was a multiply group that uh, two summers ago, they were praying, which we'll share more about multiply groups, but they're praying for lost friends and praying for one uh, one friend in particular, and a friend invited her to a volleyball game. And uh, God had just prepared her heart um, where literally it was a Saturday, and she kind of had realized that she'd hit rock bottom and Googled churches in Auburn and was planning to go to Lakeview the next day. Um, and so we're talking and uh, just kind of she shares briefly like she's not in, you know, a great place, but was planning to go to the Lakeview. Great. Come sit with me. So she goes, here's the gospel very clearly. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 was the message. She's super offended, goes home. A couple of days later, a friend and I get dinner with her and we're at uh, Lee, and I like Asian food. And we're uh, just asking her questions about her life, and she's just sharing and sharing how, um, you know, she was, yeah, I, I won't share all of her things, but basically she was, not, she was sharing her burdens with us, and we were just getting to empathize and care for her, and whipped out a napkin and drew out three circles, and shared, shared the gospel with her, and invited her to respond. And she was like, well, like, I, I'm no, I don't know about that, but I mean, I'm interested in learning more about this Jesus, you know, that you guys are talking about. Um, didn't really have a lot of background in church, didn't have any background in church. And so we invite her to read the Bible, and we start reading the book of John with her. And um, man, she's just devouring it, like so hungry, asking questions to all the community. Um, and then four weeks later, God opens her eyes, and she repents and believes, and um, later was baptized, and yeah, she, like, has become one of my best friends, and shares the gospel regularly, and encourages me, spurs me on, um, yeah, helps me love Jesus more, and just have seen Jesus, like, heal some, yeah, amazing, like, yeah, deep wounds, and he's brought healing and freedom in her life, and, um, yeah, just really beautiful, um, what God has done, but, yeah, I share these stories, um, not so that you can be like, um, wow, I, uh, Chandler, that's cool for you. Like, you're such a good evangelist, like, that's great. Um, but genuinely, like, think about, think about some of the things I shared. It was, it was caring for people, asking questions about their lives, being interested in them. It was sharing how Jesus has changed my life and uh, inviting them, inviting them to a next step, sharing the gospel, inviting them to learn more, inviting them to read the Bible, bringing them into community, and them getting to see the love of Christ in community. John thirteen thirty five says, by this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And yeah, I just think like that is so powerful, inviting people in to see the love of God, inviting them to church, all these things. Um, So yeah, I, I wanna emphasize that evangelism or sharing or whatever you wanna call it is a team sport. Like Jesus doesn't expect us to do this alone. He sends out the 72, two by two, into every town and village he himself is about to go. Jesus had 12 that he did life with, um Paul had Silas, Titus, Timothy that he went and did ministry and went out on, you know, missions with. And so, yeah, we, we don't, like, God doesn't expect us to do this individually, but we actually have each other. Like, if you look around the room, your MCGs, the people you disciple, the people that are discipling you, like, we need each other to do this, to spur each other on, to hold each other accountable, and then, to invite people into this community so that as they're stepping out of their community, they have something to walk into. Um, and then, yeah, we're, you know, we're gonna share these tools, but I really just wanna emphasize that um, these tools are not, like, it's not a formula. They're, it's not like if you do this and you ask these questions, then this is the result. Ultimately, like I said earlier, like the father is the one who draws people to himself and we can't do that. We can use the tools that God's given us and give opportunities for the Spirit to move in people's hearts, but ultimately, He's the only one who can do it, and, like, each one of you has the Spirit of God in you, and so, yeah, there's just no, like, formula or tool that uh, overrides that. Like, ultimately, you have to listen to the Spirit of God in conversations with people as you're sharing, like, just wanna encourage you guys that like, listen to the spirit, and the spirit really is the one who teaches and guides and instructs and corrects and all that. Um, so yes, now um, Marissa is gonna come and share a tool, three circles with you guys. So we're gonna get into more of the training part now.
1: Okay, everyone get out the liturgy guide, and go to the blank page that says Three Circles Practice page. And also whip out your pen or pencil because we will be doing this together. Um, So I will be teaching you guys Three Circles, which Chandler talked about. And like she said, it's just a tool um, when you want to share the gospel. It helps me, first of all, make sure I'm like, sharing the full gospel. One time I tried to share the gospel and forgot to mention that Jesus like rose again. And like, that's a pretty, pretty good, like big point. Um, and so it helps me even when I share this, sometimes I don't even write it out. I just like play it in my mind and share it. And then sometimes I get a chance to um, write it out. So when you're practicing, practice on the first half because um, you'll get a chance to practice again on the bottom half. So I am just going to go ahead and start sharing like I'm sharing with a friend. Um, So yeah, you have been mentioning that it's been a pretty hard time and yeah, COVID's going on, school is rough and um, yeah, you just see a lot of brokenness in the world. So I'm gonna show you a little diagram, um, a little picture that someone has shown me. So first you see the circle, brokenness, like you can't deny it, we are in. A broken world, like things are not as they should be, and there are a lot of things um, that are broken, and you know it seems like we can't get out of it. But I don't believe that's the way God made the world. I believe God made the world in God's perfect design. Um, God created the world and He created man and woman, um, and um, they walked with God in perfect unity, and that's how God created the world. And God gave them one rule and for them not to do something. And they, thinking that they knew better than God and thinking that they wanted to be God, disobeyed that rule, and that is sin. That is rebelling against God. And because God is holy, that means he set apart. He cannot be in the presence of sin. He cannot be in the presence of rebellion. He is perfect. So if something like human beings being sinful were in his presence, he would no longer be perfect. So he, they sin led them to brokenness. And so, um, yeah, there are a lot of ways that we try to get out of this brokenness, like that squiggly mark. Um, We um, try to get out by being really good at school and trying to be successful and finding our identity in it. And then that will lead us to a perfect job and then that will lead us to a perfect family, but all that does is whip us back into brokenness, like a bungee cord. We try to find our identity in um, relationships, surrounding ourselves with the best of friends that will encourage us and lift us up, but we can't find, we can't be satisfied with that, so it whips us back into brokenness. There's so many things that we try to get out of this broken world, but we can't, and God, saw that, saw that we can't go back. Sin brought us to brokenness, we can't go back. And so, God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus. Now, Jesus, he sent Jesus down on the cross, uh, or he sent Jesus down to the world, and um, Jesus lived a perfect life for 33 years. He, always, he never disobeyed God, and then on top of that, he always perfectly obeyed God. And I can't even say that about like an hour of my life. But he did that, living that life for us in our place. And then he died on the cross for us, bearing all of our sin and our shame for the past people, for the current people at that time, and for all of us. He took on all of our sin and took the penalty of that and paid that penalty and died on the cross for us. And then three days later, he rose again and is now seated at the right hand of God, the Father, and is inter- he's interceding for us. He is um, making a way for us to be able to be with God. And how that happens is first, repenting and believing um, in Jesus. And repent means to turn. So turn from our wicked ways, turn from our sinful ways, turn from our broken ways, and believe that Jesus has paid the penalty for our sin, and um, now He has made, He's renewed us and has um, restored us to God's perfect design. Now we can live in unity with God. No, now my sin does not take away from God's holiness because when God looks at me, he sees Jesus' perfect righteousness. And so I'm renewed and I'm restored. Um, And I am in God's perfect design, even though I'm in a broken world, um, we are promised that once like Jesus comes back, um, we will then spend eternity in heaven with God and be in perfect unity with God like before. Um, but it also doesn't stop there. He tells us to go back to the brokenness and tell people because why wouldn't you share about this, about Jesus saving us from this broken world? And so we get to go back and tell people. And, yeah, that's what I get to do. And, um, yeah, I'm just Wondering, where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself in God's perfect design? Or do you see yourself in brokenness right now? Have you been saved and renewed and restored in Jesus Christ? Or do you see yourself broken and trying to get out of it, but can't find a way? So that's the three circles diagram. And it's always super important in a tool to ask a question. If not, they'd be like, cool, and they just forget it. But it helps them apply it to their life. Um, and, yeah, and then from there, you get to just have really great conversations, um, maybe sharing your testimony, or maybe just explaining more things that maybe you said and they don't understand. Or it could lead to reading the Bible with them, like, like Chandler said, like, I want to know more about this. Um, and so now I would love for you guys to pair up in twos and share it with one another. So one person, share it on your piece of paper to the other person and then switch. You'll have about like 10, 15 minutes. I'll tell you guys when, it's about halfway and y'all can switch. So pair up and go. The gospel to yourself daily, um, but also like share it even with like believing friends and like That's the way I've been able to kind of get in my brain. It comes easily in conversation because I just share it a lot. Um, But one thing I forgot to mention is it's really um, the way you like integrate this into conversation, you don't just go up to a person and say, I'm going to show you something, which you could, but (laughs) that's a little awkward. Um, But like it starts with brokenness and like, just think about like today, how many times does someone talk about, something that was stupid or like terrible. Like I had a terrible, well, today was wellness day. So I guess that doesn't count. But like this past week, like it's really easy to get on the topic of brokenness. It's really easy to hear people complaining about COVID or politics or or sickness or school. And so that's just a really, really easy way to be like, yeah, I agree, it's terrible. Can I show you like how I think the world is supposed to be? It's not supposed to be this terrible. Um, so those are great ways to get it into conversation um, and like I said this may lead to someone like being like hey I'm kind of interested in learning more about this and so you can start reading the Bible with them um, and showing them who Jesus is through the word and so Samuel's going to come up and share about what that looks like when you're actually getting to read the Bible with a um, an unbeliever so here's Samuel
2: Thanks, Marissa, great job. And I just wanna also uh, just say that each of you, if you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, as Chandler emphasized, you're gonna adapt this. You're gonna make it your own. You you can dialogue with them while you're sharing. You can, you know, say, uh, part of, weave part of your testimony in there, like with the squiggly lines, you can share part of your testimony. Like These are ways I tried to repair my relationship with God going to church camp, going mission trip, putting money in the offering plate, but it didn't work. Or I tried to alcohol or drugs or whatever. You weave in your story and show how it fell short. You could not repair your relationship with God. And then you could even say, what about you? Do you identify with shame? Do you identify with fear? Do you identify with uh, feeling lonely or uh, feeling guilt? And they're gonna, you, you can have a, a dialogue, a conversation. And then, as Marissa emphasized, we wanna end with a call to response. You know, uh, you, you say something like, hey, where do you find yourself still separated from God by sin or restored and renewed by turning and trusting, repenting and believing in Jesus Christ? And then they're gonna point somewhere. and Let's say they say, I'm in brokenness. I'm running from God. Maybe I prayed a prayer in childhood, but I wasn't sincere. I didn't have a heart of repentance. Um, Then I would follow up with, not with, oh man, that's really, really tough. I would respond with, hey, I was right there. I, I identify with you. When I was 19 years old, I realized that I was where you are now. I was in death. I was separated from God. And I go into my testimony, and I say, you don't have to stay there. What's stopping you today? You don't need to wait on Sunday for a preacher. What's stopping you today from turning and trusting? So you call for a response. You cast the net, and you start pulling the net in for a a, a catch, for a harvest. You take the sickle. You know, Jesus talks about casting seed, but you don't leave the seed out there after it bears fruit and it grows up. You don't leave the seed out, the, the wheat. you got to take the sickle and harvest it when it's ripe. Don't leave it out there to, to just not be harvested. And so one of the ways you harvest is you call for a response. What's stopping you today from repenting and believing? Is it sleeping around? Is it drunkenness? Is it a trust in your morality? Is it a trust in your religion? Your grandfather was a pastor. Your mom's a Sunday school teacher. What is it? Why not today? It's urgent. Implore with people. Plead with people. Be reconciled to God. Be made right with God. And so God can use you to do that. And then it's, then we just relax because it's up to the spirit. Uh, no one can come to me, Jesus said, unless the Father draws him. John 6, is as Chandler shared. So be sure that you um, take that time to call for response. You've already done the hard work. The most hard part is inserting Jesus into the conversation. From, from there, don't do that hard work and go so far and then not finish the conversation well. And so um, you're going to usually get maybe— a few different responses at that point. And sometimes they'll say, I'm in God's perfect design. They're a Christian. Great, hey, because God tells us to go back into brokenness, would you share this diagram back with me and make a list of five names that you could share this with? So now you've entered into an equipping role. You were in evangelism role, but now you realize, oh, I don't need to evangelize them, they're already a Christian, now I'm gonna equip them Share it back with me and go back into your family, workplace, living place, and share. And so uh, you've just equipped them. Now, you might encounter, that would would be what I would call a green light. Uh, They're already a Christian, or they repent and believe on the spot, a green light. Uh, So if they repent and believe on the spot, um, then get them to practice this diagram Practice what Chandler did with Juhei, uh, which was, what was your life like before Christ? Why were you drawn to a relationship with Christ? What was it about Christ that showed your need for him? And why did you choose to follow him? And how has your life changed since saving faith in Christ? And go share your testimony and the gospel with five people. Make a list of people. And, and those are green lights. And of course, get them plugged into community a small group, your missional community, and the church. That's how we grow. Yellow light. A yellow light is where they're they're not ready to make the change of turning and trusting, repenting and believing, but they're intrigued with Jesus. They wanna learn more, they wanna know more. And maybe even a yellow light might be someone who says they're in God's perfect design, but they're a cultural Christian, they're not born again. You know, that was me from age eight to 19, even my freshman and first half of my sophomore year here at Auburn. And I thought I was a Christian. A yellow light person, you want to invite them into a Discovery Bible group. A yellow light person, they might say they're in God's perfect design. It's never bad to read the Bible with another Christian. So we've said this is good for non-believers. It's also good for believers or your personal quiet time. But um, invite them into a Discovery Bible group or if they identify in brokenness, invite them into a Discovery Bible group. And there, I would encourage you, uh, we're gonna learn about Discovery Bible group here on the next page from Three Circles. Turn with me there. Each one of you can do this. This is so easy, and it's intended to be that way. Think of a Discovery Bible group as three-thirds, looking back, Looking up, looking forward. Looking back is really pastoral care, heart care. Hey, what are you thankful for? What's going well this week? What are you anxious about or stressed about? And let's say it's a a group. There's three lost people and two people from your MCG there. You say, hey, John's really struggling with calculus creating a lot of anxiety. Anyone here, has, has anyone in this group taken calculus before? Anyone know a tutor? Anyone, you know, let's meet the needs of each other. That's what the early church did. They met the needs. They, they sold their possessions and belongings. They distributed to the poor. They cared for widows and orphans. So maybe in your group, there's, I don't have a car. I'm having to ride my bike, uh, but it, sometimes it's cold and wet. Well, can anyone give John a lift? Okay, so you see, really what you're doing is, you're laying a foundation for praise and thanksgiving, even before they're a Christian. What are we thankful for? And then you're laying a foundation for intercession and confession of needs, relying on each other, not being individualistic, but being communal as the church was meant to be. So what are you anxious about? What are you stressed about? This is kind of pastoral care. This is what we call the look back portion. Uh, We also see in there, now in your very first DBG, you wouldn't do questions three, four, and five, but look with me there at questions three, four, and five. Could someone remind me of last week's passage? So it's just repetition, we learn things, you know? And so we're reviewing, anyone wanna share what God taught us last week? And then, uh, were you able to share either last week's story or the gospel with anyone? And how did it go? So that's kind of like accountability, reporting back on the faithfulness of what God did out among the harvest fields. And then how did obeying the passage go? Um, I've, I've read Genesis 1 with lots of people, and sometimes they just say, I wanna obey God by going out and looking at the stars. And so we'll ask, hey, how did it go? Did you take time over the past seven days to look at the stars and admire God and his handiwork? And so we're just just simply looking back at the past week. And, of course, they're not believers yet, maybe, but once they become believers, then it's it's Christian accountability and mutual exhortation. Then the look-up portion. We read the passage out loud twice. Why out loud? Well, faith comes through hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ, Romans 10 17. And uh, a lot of times I've read this with Americans whose native tongue is English, but also Koreans, Iranians, Chinese, Nigerians, people from India. And I have them read it first in their native tongue. You can use the U Version Bible app, U Version Bible app on your smartphone, or Uh, then after they read that, and if you needed a hard copy, let me or Kevin or Sophie or Chandler know, we can get you a hard copy of another foreign language. Um, But then we'll read it in English. And usually they're fluent in English. If they're a student at Auburn, they want to read in English, but there's something beautiful about reading it in their heart language. Then we read it in English. Then we just ask a few questions. What does this teach us about God? What does this teach us about people? So we want to have a God-centered hermeneutic. Hermeneutic, just a fancy word for study of the Bible. We want to have a, not a man-centered. You know, sometimes in small groups we, we say, what did that say to you? Or what, what, did, that, what did you uh, get out of that? Or how do you see that fitting into your life? But it's not really about us. The Bible is a story about God and how humans should relate to God. And so um, that's why our first question is, what does this teach us about God? Usually what you're going to find is it's showing us God's holy, God's good, God's loving, God's kind, God's merciful, God's just, God has wrath and vengeance, God is a judge. And then the next question, what do you learn about man, man's wicked. Man's wretched, man's evil, man's depraved, man's selfish. You know, you just, you see that all throughout the scriptures. And so it's going to just repeatedly, if you read the Bible that way, you're going to see the goodness of God and our need for God. And so then, I'll say this, maybe they say, maybe you're in John uh, 3, And you're in verse 15 says something about a serpent being lifted up and everyone who looks to them, the serpent, like Moses did, will be saved. And they're like, hey, what's this about? You could take them to, I believe that's, uh, is that Deuteronomy? Numbers. You could take them to Numbers and look at that um, immediately, though I might do it next week or something, because I really want to stay in the context of the passage. It's not bad to cross-reference, but if you cross-reference a lot, here's what they're gonna think. Samuel's a really good Bible teacher. Samuel knows a lot about the Bible. I can never do what Samuel does. And it's actually, it could uh, not empower them to be a self-feeder on the Word of God. Now we do need to teach them cross-referencing skills, like, hey, if you look at the footnote, it could take you to where that passage was found. We need to teach them that, but maybe not the third time they're reading the Bible, you know. Um, so I'm not saying don't cross-reference, but I'm just saying try to focus on the passage. We don't want to misinterpret the Word. We don't want to take the Bible out of context. So we, we want to systematically work through the Bible uh, and stay in context. And so maybe sometimes someone says— a very heretical thing, like, well, I think, uh, I think we can just be saved through our merit and working hard. I would ask, okay, instead of me responding and saying, you're wrong, you see in 3.16 it says, God loved the world and he gave his son that whoever believes in him would be saved. I would say maybe like, oh, where did you see that in the passage? And so what I'm doing is, I'm elevating the scripture as the teacher. You're not really the teacher, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. So you, brother and sister, you're competent and equipped for every good work, and you want to make these new disciples competent and equipped for every good work where the Bible is their authority. All scriptures got breathed, and this scripture—it's good for teaching, reproof, correction, training, righteousness, and of course, we have to apply the Bible to their life to teach them and correct them and reprove them. But one of the best ways I like to teach people is say, let's say I ask, "What does this teach us about God in Genesis one?" And it's silence, just crickets. It's okay, let the silence ride. But then the three non-believers and the are all silent. So you stare at your two MCG friends, and you're like, do we need to tell them what this teaches us about God? I would say, hey, um, would you read verse 1 out loud, Deepak? Deepak from New Delhi. Deepak reads Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Deepak, does that teach you anything about God? Yes, it teaches me God is creator. I've just taught Deepak, but I didn't really do the teaching, God's Word did the teaching. I just pointed his eyes in where to find it. So you see, a good question to ask is, would you read verse 7 for me? If you really want him to see something, just highlight it. Read verse 8. What does that teach us about God? Romans 3.23, you're studying through Romans. Hey, John, would you read verse 23? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Thanks, John. What does that teach us about man? So then you're letting the scripture teach them. And and they're discovering it. That's why we call it Discovery Bible Group. They're discovering it. Okay? And so then let's move to the look forward part. Write a I will statement. Okay? Uh, This would be maybe like, I will look at the stars this week because we read Genesis 1 we're learning about God as creator or uh, I will thank God for breath because he he breathed the breath of life into Adam making him out of dust in Genesis 2 um, or I will thank my mother and just say hey I'm thankful for you Eve was a uh, Mother, uh, she gave life, and I'm thankful for you, mom, that you give life to me. You know, just simple, I will. Then it'd be best if you could look back the next week and say, did we do what we said we would do? You would do that in the look back time. Now, you might be thinking, but they're not even Christians. Maybe they're Hindus. Maybe they're atheists. Maybe they're cultural Christian, but they're not born again. That's, we don't want to set them up for legalism. So you you follow the Spirit in how to ask this question. Maybe you might say something like, hey, we know that when we're in Christ, God demands us to love him, and loving him means obeying him. If we really want to love and obey him, what would it look like to walk in obedience this week? And maybe they say, well, I'm not a Christian yet, so I don't really want to obey. That's okay, uh, but at least they're seeing that Uh, God, a a changed life doesn't bring salvation, like you don't bring salvation to yourself, but when God brings salvation to you, it demands a changed lifestyle. Um, So we want them to know about, we can't just come to the scriptures and be a hearer of the word, but not a doer. We we must change our life. That's not what saves, but it's uh, Ephesians 2.10, we're, good. We're walking in the good works that he's prepared for us. Then you'll ask, uh, who will you share this with? Or the three circles, if they know that. Maybe they don't know three circles at this point. But who will you share this story with? And then you uh, ask, how can we pray for each other? And then that's it. You, you meet, set a time to meet again. Now, um, you might be thinking, where do I start in reading? Well, on this back page... Is a list of four different story sets. Creation to Christ is an 11 story set. The story that would be good, especially for someone from an Islamic view, um, especially for someone from an atheistic view, um, really for anybody. I mean, people from Montgomery raised in church. I would, I would start with this because uh, we need people to see the goodness of God. The character of God, the sinfulness of man, the sufficiency of Christ, the necessity of repentance and faith, and the urgency of eternity. They're going to see the character of God, the wickedness of man in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. You see that, that's covered in creation of Christ. The fall, they're going to see the wickedness of man. They're also going to see the goodness of God rescuing eight people. Uh, The Passover, they're going to see wickedness of man, goodness of God. They're also gonna see the sufficiency of Christ in a Passover lamb. Those under the blood of the lamb would be saved. That's pointing to John saying, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, each of these stories was chosen because it's, it's prophetic and pointing to a savior, the sufficiency of Christ. Now I'll be honest, I've read, done DBGs with about 30 people over the last seven, eight years. I've never went deeper into this creation of Christ plan than story six without jumping to John. Like out of reading with about 30 people by God's grace, about 10 of them came to faith, repentance and faith. And most of the time we would jump to John after the story of Noah, Chinese, Nigerian, Iranian, Koreans. They, i, I there was a Chinese couple, married couple, PhD students. After reading Genesis 6, Justin said, I want to walk with God. It says Noah was a righteous man and walked with God. How do I walk with God? Let's go, let's go to He knows he can't walk with God because he's a sinner, just like Adam and Eve were. He wants to know how to walk with God. He's begging me to share the gospel with him. Well, let's go to John chapter 1 and John chapter 3, and then Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And he was saved. Like most of the time, God saves people through like the first five to ten times you read the scriptures with them. Or they harden their heart and they turn away. That's been my experience. Um, Stories of hope would be good for someone maybe raised in church, but they feel burned or they feel hurt or they feel like I'm too messed up. God couldn't love me. I'm too wicked. I'm too dirty. That'd be a good one for them. Um, Commands of Christ, that'd be really good for a new believer. So if they're a green light and they repent and believe, invite them into a DBG and start doing these commands of Christ with them. Now, um, we're about to enter into a little prayer time and I want to share just a challenge to you. But I really want to emphasize a few things. That is that It's best done in groups. Groups will stay together longer. A single person might fizzle out um, if they get busy with finals. But groups will hold each other accountable. Hey, you gonna be at DBG tomorrow? Yeah, I'm gonna be there. Groups will help each other remember better. Groups will also correct one another. Like in the look back portion, and you say, does anyone remember last week's story? And someone says, yeah, I remember it. And they retell it a little incorrectly you could say, hey group, did John retell the story correctly? Is there anything you should add in that he left out? Or is there anything that John put into the story that actually shouldn't be in the story? And the group can help correct John. And so there's this accountability, there's uh, fidelity to doctrine when you have a group. Um, Another thing is groups multiply faster. Groups see addition more. Um, So if you really wanna see an entire city reached, we, we would want groups. Um, and then, yeah, I think that's most of what I wanted to communicate there. Um, in closing, I just, I love this, I love Discovery Bible Group because it takes the pressure off of you. Your words can't save. no matter how articulate you are, no matter how good of an orator you are in speaking and sharing diagrams, bridge diagram, three circles, any diagram, this, there's something powerful about this. Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. There's, there's power in God's Word. It's his, it's his Word, and He draws them. And so uh, I, I've seen people share in Auburn a lot, a lot. We've gone out— sharing literally probably 2,000 times, sharing the gospel. But what I've seen is that out of that, those evangelism efforts, those who actually entered into a DBG, like I said, about 10 out of 30 that I've studied with have come to faith. So that's a 33% rate. But after sharing with probably 2,000 people in the last decade, I've only seen like maybe three or four people come to faith that way where the Bible wasn't present in the evangelism process. So you see there's something amazing that God can do in their heart that your words cannot do. So get them in the Bible for themselves, not just hearing it be preached on Sunday or Wednesday. Get them in the Bible. And that can happen in your MCG, but also in Student Center, in Coffee Cat, in your home. Invite them into your home. And I I just want to encourage you with this. This is your identity. Are you walking in your identity? You're an ambassador. You're a new creation, but Christian, do not accept the new creation identity if you're not gonna walk in the ambassador identity. Now, you're, you're, you're saved if you never once share the gospel. You are, you're saved. You're in the kingdom of God. You will never be snatched out of the Father's hand Nothing you can do will snatch you out of the Father's hand because nothing you did gained you access into the Father's hand. You were saved by grace through faith in the crucified and resurrected Son. But 2 Corinthians 5 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. That is true of you, sister and brother. But it's also true of you that it says the love of Christ has controlled us and compels us. And Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us to implore with people, be reconciled to God. It says you are, you are uh, entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation and the message of reconciliation. This is the message of reconciliation, the gospel, Christ buried, he's crucified, buried, resurrected, justification by faith. The ministry of reconciliation can happen through the word and discipleship, nurturing and equipping them. And so that's how three circles and Discovery Bible group play with one another. But don't simply say, I'm a new creation, but I'm not all about that ambassador identity. It's given to you. It's bestowed upon you. It's who you are. Walk in it. You don't have to do anything to qualify yourself. The Samaritan woman didn't. She left her water jar at the well and went and told what God had done. You don't have to go get theological education, though that's good, and I've done that. You don't have to go and clean yourself up and be sanctified, though you should put sin to death. But that woman who had had five previous husbands and was sleeping with a man who was not her husband, left her water jar at the well after an encounter with Jesus Christ, and she went and she was an ambassador, and you can do that too tomorrow, tonight. So, what would God do with an unleashed Lakeview College ministry? What would God do with an unleashed Lakeview Baptist Church? I was, I'm closing now and we're going to pray. I was in a college ministry in Auburn of about the same size as Lakeview and one Wednesday night about eight weeks into the semester, a guy stood up and he He didn't ask this with pride, but he asked this with love. He said, stand up in here, and I'm not asking you to do this, but he said, stand up in here if you've shared the gospel this semester. We were eight weeks into the semester. It was a room of about 250 that night, and about five people stood up. Five people out of 250 saints actually had shared their faith in the last two months. I wasn't one of them. I I didn't stand up. I was embarrassed, I was ashamed of myself, I wasn't walking in my identity as an ambassador. And I, I resolved, God help me, help me not be ashamed of the gospel. And, and that, that man started training us, much in nights like this, and then in MCGs, he started training us. And the next year, that college ministry, we saw 60 people as a ministry, as a church, just in our college ministry, 60 people repent and believe and about 40 of them were baptized. What would God do if all 12 MCGs were living on mission in community together? What would God do if every single one of us tonight said, I will not be ashamed of the gospel. I will preach the gospel to my, my sibling who has turned away from God. I will preach the gospel to my classmate. I will lovingly invite my roommates out to lunch and share my heart with them. What would God do? I believe He would honor that faithfulness and He would bring fruit for His namesake, for His worship, for His glory. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And I, I want to I encourage you to share this three circles diagram this week and invite someone into a DBG. You already know how to do it. You don't need to practice. You could do it for your quiet time tomorrow, the, the look back, look up, look forward. But you don't need practice. Just invite someone into a DBG. Share the three circles. But for your prayer time, pray and ask God, who do you want me to share with? What names do you bring to mind, God? Who is far from you? I'm not asking, have they ever prayed a prayer? I'm not asking, are they in church or not in church? I'm asking, God, who needs you? Who needs you? And share with them this week. But let's pray and ask God to do the work in their hearts.